takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get on to my show. Howdy folks, welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. Well, it's been raining, and it's been raining a lot. I mean, it is uh, pouring, and it's 50 degrees out. And it looks like the drought is over for California, at least for a little while, so that's good news. Uh, Trump is on his, I think, his third day of his presidency, and he's probably lied more than Barack Obama did in the eight years he was in office. So we've got that going for us. If you uh, have the wherewithal, you should start making phone calls to your local representatives and... uh, to DC, I called uh, Chaffetz the other day, told him to lay off the ethics uh, committee and to, you know, represent the rest of us like like he should. So I don't know. I don't know if that counts for anything. Who knows? Eric and I talk about that uh, on this episode, or at least the uh, part two of my interview with Eric. And I'm on my way upstairs today, uh, just now, on my way to record this voiceover. I was trying to figure out, you know, what is the what is the purpose of my interviews? <clears throat> what am I doing? What am I really doing here? And I think, I think at least as far as Eric goes, you know, I know him so well. He's been a really good friend of mine for a long time. And he's just, he's one of my favorite people. And I think with this interview, I want you all to get to know him a little bit. So we talk very candidly about, about the things that we actually talk about together uh, when we're out or hanging out at the house or... Uh, on Sundays for brunch, much to the consternation of my colleagues who are all uh, singing in church. So uh, anyway, we have long, you know, long conversations about all sorts of things. This one, uh, part two, we start uh, back in with religion. And I've always found that very interesting. I, I uh, love my friends who are religious. I hold no ill will towards people that believe in a higher power and Jesus or Allah or Buddha or whatever it is that you believe. I happen to be an atheist. I hope that my friends who are believers afford me the same uh, respect and uh, regard as I do for them. And, you know, I, I've got one of my best friends is, uh, is Marty Schaefer. He's, and I know you hear me talk about him. But he's a, a, a Christian. And we have great discussions about religion. I respect his opinion. Although I disagree with it. Not that I disagree with it. I just don't necessarily believe what he believes. But it's never prevented us from being the best of friends. We've traveled to Europe together. We've uh, known each other for, you know, 20 years. And anyway, I hope you all have somebody like that in your life. Eric's the same way. We have slightly different uh, belief systems. And we're still great friends. And I I feel like that's something that... That's not being promoted nowadays, especially from the uh, top down in this country now. I don't think Trump appreciates that kind of point of view. Mm, I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm just basing that on what he's actually said, which I guess we're not supposed to do now. We're just supposed to pretend like he doesn't say the things he says and then just go along and see what happens, despite the fact that he's appointed the uh, worst cabinet in U.S. history with absolutely no experience and uh, really the antithesis of what each cabinet needs to uh, have in a leader. seems like they're all going to be dismantling the very positions they've been appointed to uphold or not. Maybe they've been appointed to do exactly that, to dismantle everything. I'm going to do my best to 
to uh, make sure that doesn't happen by making phone calls, by encouraging people to join in the resistance and um, not be tolerant. You know, we liberals are now being labeled as intolerant. We're all intolerant. Well, when it comes to neo-Nazis and fascists and people who don't seem to care at all about the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, which are the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, which were set out by James Madison back in the day, you know, he was a smart dude. And uh, the Bill of Rights are important. You should go over them and you should stand up for them and you should do it loudly because that's our right. That's not a privilege given to us by Trump. He just tweeted recently that he supports the march, uh, the women's march across the country and their right to do so. And But he, he did it in such a way as if to imply that it's by his grace that we're able to do that. When in fact, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a right. It's not a privilege. It's a right that's given to us as American citizens, whether you voted or not. You don't have to vote to be uh, granted constitutional rights in this country. So if you didn't vote, don't let that stop you from painting a sign and standing out on the corner and telling people how you feel about what's going on. That is our right as Americans, and it's one of the things that sets us apart from just about every other country in the world. Well, I mean, just about every non-democracy. Europe, Europeans have a lot of freedom to do that, and uh, right now I feel like they may even have a little bit more freedom to do that. So we need to get that back. We need to be Americans. We need to show people what it is to be an American. So that's, that's how I propose we do it. You can agree or disagree. It's fine. Just keep listening. I want to thank you all for listening, and uh, I hope you have a great Monday and the rest of your week. I think I'm going to sneak in another little interview uh, probably Wednesday or Thursday. I had a, ni- a really nice chat with Morris Robinson. He's a bass who is singing uh, in our production of Abduction from the Seraglio. He's a really, really interesting guy. It's a short interview. It's about a half hour. It'll be distributed by LA Opera as well. So still got that going. Anyway, thanks again. I hope you enjoy the rest of my chat with Eric Whitaker. And uh, we'll see you next time. Here he is. Um, you know, I'm an atheist. And I, I always assume that you're an atheist. But I hear other little little things like you some measure of spirituality or something greater than us what do you think what do you really think yeah it's i know it, you think about it a lot because we talk about it a lot yeah that's, yeah that's true so when i was over in england i would get asked by the press it was always a question i think partly because my music sounds churchy sometimes uh-huh. you know yeah. um and the only the only thing i could say was i think i'm an agnostic hmm. which really got I, I got punched a couple of times in the press because of that. Because the, it's so noncommittal? Or exactly, what? What because it's noncommittal. So see. it's like, what are you? Do you believe? Do you not believe? And yeah. it, it's all politicians' answer. Yeah. So for me, the idea of agnosticism is in that. I, I can't ever say I'm an atheist because there's no evidence for it. Mm-hmm. There's no scientific evidence for atheism. Mm-hmm. You, there doesn't seem to be evidence of the kind of God that other people talk about. Mm-hmm. But God knows... <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we we haven't yet uh, maybe found the right experiment. I'm not saying that a yeah, God yeah. exists. Sure. I, I, don't, I don't personally don't believe the, the way God, you know, no, it's, it's even worse than this. This is like a three martini conversation. Yeah. So I believe w- w- when, when I think dogmatically, so mm-hmm. when, when uh, a religious says this is God, this is what he said, this is how one should live, that I generally don't ascribe to. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't resonate with me at all. Mm-hmm. But... I think because I deal so much in poetry and in music, if if just for a moment we say, okay, let's let's take the book of Genesis, that that's actually poetry about the human condition. 
then I start to see, well, you know what? There are some huge questions being asked here about our place in the universe and what is our universe and how did it start? How did it end? As long as you don't take it literally. Yeah. But what's interesting is then in the moment it becomes, say, a poetic exploration, mm -hmm. then it's all about who we are as people, mm -hmm. which that's the that's the interesting part for me. Mm -hmm. So so then if somebody were to say to me, can you imagine God being everything in the universe, the structure, let's say, and maybe this structure has consciousness. He is the unifying theory. Yeah, it is mm -hmm. the unifying mm -hmm. theory or whatever this is mm -hmm. that, that as it turns out, uh, for instance, as it turns out, let's say, um, space and energy and matter and all of these things add up to a thing mm -hmm. that is right now beyond our understanding and maybe having a direct effect in decisions that we make now, which I know sounds insane. Mm. Uh, that that then there's at least a part of me that says okay, it's I'll, possible. I will keep an open mind. I have I see no evidence of that yet, but um, I'll keep an open mind. Mm -hmm. So um, so when it comes to religion, I'm not yet ready to say nope or God nope because even just defining the term God mm -hmm. gets really really Tricky. serpentine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah. Usually, what people mean I think when they say they're atheist is they they say they're not Christian. At least mm -hmm. in Western society, that mm -hmm. seems to be what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And now I would imagine some people would lump into that, and they're definitely not Muslim. Yeah, right. right? No, I, I mean, I, but, I think personally, I, I see it uh, as not having the belief in a great architect. Yeah, so again, then it, then it becomes about a question of architecture. I'm, I always think, I'm always amazed at the, the limited way some Christians talk about uh, intelligent design, mm -hmm. for instance, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the thing is designed and architected as if it were built the way we build buildings. Right. Well, that I would imagine intelligent designers, they would design with what's more beautiful and elegant than evolution. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so you can imagine if somebody just set in motion somebody or something or some force set mm -hmm. in motion this this system. thing, mm -hmm. this system, how extraordinary is that, right? Mm -hmm. So then if you take for a moment and think, okay, since instead of this being mm -hmm. and this moment, let's say the system itself is designed or is um, it's inevitable mm -hmm. that something like life would rise within the, the system that we live in. Mm -hmm. Can we call that God? Right. And if that's the case, then okay. Okay. Well, Okay, that's, that's that. interesting. Yeah. And then, then if a way to live your life is based on, let's say, godliness— and let's say godliness then for me, as I think about that, has to do with balance. Synergy. Structure, mm -hmm. synergy, energy, mm -hmm. matter, curiosity, fascination, skepticism. Mm -hmm. Codependence. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then I start to feel very religious. Mm. I think, yeah, okay. And so oftentimes, like when I was over at Cambridge, I would sit, we'd be singing Evensong. And the words that I'm singing, I don't believe right right, right. I, I don't uh, but the the intention felt true hmm. the, the intention to quiet my mind and be open to a structure way way bigger than myself mm -hmm. that felt true and it, when i meditate i feel the same way i feel that there that um that there's no question that in my daily life i'm not seeing the whole picture yeah did you come to that on your own? I mean, I, I I don't know if I've ever asked you. Are you folks religious? My mom is Mormon or was raised Mormon. 
she's not really Mormon now, but so she was raised Mormon. Yeah. Northern Nevada. I mean, would you consider yourself growing up in a Mormon household? No, we, we went a couple times to my best friend growing up yeah. was, was Mormon. Yeah. And so I went to church functions all the time. Yeah. Uh, but my mom, to her credit, took me to a bunch of different kinds of churches. She said, just to give me a taste of what they were like. Mm. So my only impression of church was going in and, you know, sitting there. Checking the back it out. And, yeah. And sitting and, and asking the same question I think every six year old does, which is, wait, I don't understand. So were there dinosaurs with Adam and Eve? Right. I, <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, how man. did Noah get the kangaroos on the boat? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These, these beautiful children see it. Children yeah. see it very clearly. Yeah. Sure. But, if God yeah. is perfect, how did Satan. Why was Satan unperfect yeah. if God made yeah. him? I don't understand. Yeah. And then you got people like Thomas Aquinas trying to answer that same question. Oh, right? oh like, he, he really painted himself into a corner there, too. <laughs> <laughs> Barely got out. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so I, I wasn't raised religious, but more I, I think I was raised um, uh, because we lived in northern Nevada and I spent a lot of time outside. Yeah. Uh, I, I think as a, I don't even know what you'd call it, a, a naturalist mm -hmm. or is a naturalist and nudist i don't know mm -hmm. who's uh, I, I i mean we're not wearing pants just so our audience knows i mean so I maybe... when i think of my religious leaders i think of yeah. uh emerson and sure and uh and walt whitman and, sure right so I, I think of i think of the earth and the land and and the air and the sky yeah, and water naturalist, yeah. and I, yeah and i think I, it's, it's one of my favorite things to write about yeah it's which to me is probably as close to religious music as I can write is when I write like deep field sure. and writing about the, the impossible magnitude of space. Yeah. That to me is, it's my version of a religious piece. What about your dad? Is he religious? Um, I've never talked to him about it. No, not really. He's not. No. Is he anti-religious? No, I think, I think he's got a pretty open mind. My, his mother, my grandmother was yeah. a librarian uh -huh. and was, uh, was a woman way, way ahead of her time. Mm -hmm. And so she, uh, she would have at least made sure, for instance, growing up, she would give me books about, um, I was obsessed with Greek mythology. Yeah. And yeah, I was too. Were yeah. you really? Yeah. 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 Same. Right. So, sure. and, and native American mythology and, and she would, uh, so, so uh, it was all religion was always, uh, presented to me as, as a, a human construct. Yeah. yeah as a story. Mm -hmm. Right. There, there are lots of kinds Parables, of stories yeah. and, and amazingly people keep telling the same story over and right. over, right. With right. slight variations on right. it. Right. Just yeah. put a robe and a beard on it and it's something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What else? What else is happening? What else is going on? I mean, politics, religion. Yeah. All we got left is death. We're both 47 now. Yeah. You know, I think I've been thinking about death for years. I actually have an unhealthy fixation with it. And I, yeah, it's a, it's a real problem. It's becoming a, a real problem. Is he really? Like, like what? What's I the? Lose, I, I lose sleep. I wake up. The last uh, last night, I had a good night's sleep. Thank God. But okay. But what's what's the what's the fear? Is it that? Is it the, the fear is that I'm going to abandon? I'm going to abandon my son, like my father abandoned me, just oh in a God. different way. Okay. Well, that's that sounds less like death and more like that. You know that he he made a choice <clears throat> to to leave the family, and maybe maybe I'll leave the family just against my will, but the outcome will be the same. You know what you should do? You should have him on this podcast. Well, it's funny because we're, uh, you know, I've mentioned before on the show that I'm developing this other show. And one of the, one of the episodes, it's called Telephone Stories. And it's the idea, like I said, before we started was that you get a story and then you pass it along. And then by the time it gets back to you, it's different. Yeah. So we, we have this, 
the story in, in my family uh, was that my grandfather, my father's father, my paternal, is that a paternal grandfather? Is that what that's called? Sure. Thank you. Um, <laughs> don't you spit up on my mic. Um, uh, he was a big game hunter. And this sparked a conversation with my partner about the, about killing animals and big game hunting. And he's he has different opinions from me, and he presents them in a way that I find really interesting and I, I value. Anyway, he was on his way to shoot big game in South Africa, and he died on the airplane. And they sent back a box of ashes. They cremated him in South Africa. Wow. And at the time, his wife was dying of... Um, um, Alzheimer's. She was in the last stages of Alzheimer's and she had been sick for a decade. And the theory is, uh, it's not a theory, it's my theory, that he like wanted to escape his situation and faked his death. Oh, so it's not actually him. That, that's in the that idea. Okay. He's in South Africa So there's right this now. story, right? And this story is something that my partner and I have agreed on, ch on chasing down. And it involves me obviously talking to my father and his brother and his sister and and my cousins on the side of the family, outside of my cousins, who I'm basically estranged from. And it's been a, it's, I've tried, and to his credit, my dad has tried to reach out. And it, Holy it, it just hasn't really, as you know, it hasn't, it's still a real enigma. Um, you may uncover a real hornet's nest. Yeah. So that's, I mean, your especially answer. in families, my God, there's so many secrets. That's the thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I that that sounds less to me like a fixation with death and and uh well, it's the, the parallel. I mean, it's the parallel of I don't want my son to have the same experience that I had because he's he's now 4 and that's the age that my parents divorced. And so I if I can survive this year, I will have beat the system. Oh, really? You see it that clearly like that like clearly. and then you you will have yeah. yeah. So that I'm still married and I'm still alive and we're still a family. Like if I can get my son to 5 <laughs> I no think, pressure. Yeah, I think I'd, I've been smoking a lot more marijuana than I normally <laughs> would. Does it help? <laughs> uh, you know, for a couple hours, I guess. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, create some memory loss or something. I've got to figure out a way to, to deal with it. Because I wake up really, uh, uh, yeah, I've been up at three o'clock in the morning for five days. Really? Except, except for last night. Yeah. And, and just. That's it. it. I'm up. But not only focused on that, just kind of blind anxiety and yeah, and... I know I I'm pretty sure it's related to that. You know, I mean there are there are other very banal thing. You know, I want to make more money and I need to replace my windows and you know shit like that. Just that we all think about. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's this one, this one thing, that just adds the cherry on top for me. And so maybe this new show that I'm working on will, will create some reason well to, it, it it's the other way around it sounds like you're creating this new show so that maybe. you can you can start digging in the dirt that's what it sounds like to me well i do that every time i write a piece i think afterwards it's like oh i had this inspiration and just this things felt right and this yeah. is the thing i had to explore right now and then i look back a year later it's like oh oh that's I, what that was yeah i was really trying to sort something out like what and give, give me an example it's happening to me right now so okay it's funny you mentioned death so Tony Silvestri, you know, the yeah. poet that we worked with, uh, he presented this poem to me. It wasn't even anything. In fact, he had given it to another composer who was going to set it. And it was just a poem about his wife who had passed mm -hmm. from cancer 11 years ago, Julie. Mm -hmm. Did you know Julie? Uh, no, I didn't know Julie. Yeah, so we were really close with her. Mm -hmm. And um, 
so Tony wrote this beautiful, heartbreaking little poem about this veil mm-hmm. that, that uh, the idea that well, you saw it, right? Yeah. But th- this idea that, that we are separated by this very thin veil, the people who have passed and us were just right next to each other. Mm-hmm. We just can't perceive each other. Beautiful. And it just grabbed me by the lapels. I mean, yeah. like, it was like, this has to be a thing I said. And not only did I set that, but now I'm writing this large scale work, a 70 minute piece about that very thing. Mm-hmm. Now, only now am I able am I able to look back and go, oh, actually, this is why I'm so passionate about. Yeah, this. it resonated with me because it's uh, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like I'm starting to come face to face with my mortality. Sure, I can look in the mirror and and go, oh, oh, so that's weird. This is not an abstraction. <laughs> right? I'm actually getting older. Yeah, this is actually it. And and I meet someone who's sixty, and yeah. well, that's only thirteen years, right? Yeah, and sixty, then you see physically and also you see kind of emotionally you see choices they made and where it got them mm-hmm. 60 not in career choice just mm-hmm. life choices oh the family's home nice. speaking of uh and um and and so so i and i think i'm obsessed with the with the piece because of that okay. yeah let's take a break that's all right we'll be okay yeah well we can talk about it too it's totally fine I ask him if you don't want him to come to dinner willingly He's been dying for so if you are willing to go to a place that has that, that would be great. Well, I'm, yeah, we haven't eaten it this week yet, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's good. <laughs> okay. Why would you? Why? Uh, before we take a break, you said we, maybe we should do another interview. What do you think? Oh no, no so it's it's great. It's yeah, just it's, it's just a the, chat. No, it, like I, you know, I'm always hyper aware. Like, are people interested in? Yeah, I don't know. Wait, politics? Probably and not. Religion and yeah, I am. Okay, well then that's it then. You know, Great. No, no, so I can't take a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know it's it's a thing that I need to get over because it's like I'm always like like when I'm programming for yeah. a concert when I'm trying to find the right set of pieces. Yeah, I'm, and frankly, even when I'm composing, I'm always hyper aware of people losing attention. Like, like, oh like God, what they're gonna think. Yeah, in a way, yeah, no, but less less about them being uh, judgmental. Yeah, or or but more about them be, losing focus. Okay, like, like there's a. You know, as you're, there's certain kinds of music that forces you to lose focus. Mm-hmm. Let's say Philip Glass, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. it starts and you hear it three, four, or five times, and at some point you just surrender. You're like, okay, right. I guess it's just gonna keep doing this. Right. And then you find yourself in this state of bliss because of it. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes you to this other place. Mm-hmm. I have such a hard time with that. I want the audience to be like, is it too risky? No, it's it's not risky. It's that that I'm just worried that it's it's gonna be boring. And yeah. It's like like. Oh, like like you just attention floats away, and it's like that's not what what I want. It's like just engage, like right here, right? You know, like every moment is electric, and and so even like something like this, like our podcast, it's yeah. like, well, it's dumb, but it's somewhere in the back of my mind is well, I want people to to be like riveted, yeah. by the, by- I do, no, I do too, yeah, I do too for sure, uh, but that I mean that goes to the heart of my feelings of perfectionism which this podcast has been a giant exercise for me in getting rid of that feeling you know like what i just said that wasn't very eloquent i'm, I'm not going to edit it yeah it's just it's okay i i like talking to you yeah no but what's beautiful and about so, the, the podcast is that you've got this deadline you've every week you have to release something so yeah. it doesn't matter it's like okay well i did my best but boom put it up here comes another one right I, it's so good it seems like the best practice well we were talking about um uh mark Marin's interview with bruce springsteen 
And that was incredible, incredible. right? They talked about yeah. his childhood, talk about the difficulties in the house and how he dealt with that and how that manifested in his adult life and yeah. getting over that. I don't know if you can, I mean, if you could force people into that uh, realm every time, you, you'd be the miracle worker. Oh, like you Mark mean as, Maron, as yeah, as a, as a, like I would, yeah, Mark Maron should do that every time. Like that's what he should do every time. Yeah. And sometimes you get it and sometimes you yeah, don't. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, and I guess you never know. It's not like something you can do to, with your the people you're interviewing. You no, can't just turn and, it on. And maybe it has something to do with me. Like today, I, I was, you know, I was having trouble on Twitter, and so you know, it just where it starts. That's where that's it is beautiful. To, I think I think know, it's beautiful. I, I mean, yeah. I'd like to talk more about my dad and and how your dad screwed you up too. That would be great. Let's do that. <laughs> well, no, it's interesting too because like like there. Uh, normally, and it, what what I'm smiling about is because we're such close friends that uh, I've for years like tried to get you like even on the podcast. It's like be real, yeah. Get, get the get, put the juice on the microphone, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Get it, start digging Sometimes into the dirt. Reality's boring, man. Sometimes, yeah, uh, yeah, no, exactly. But but then I think like about my own life. It's like hey, I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm really gonna expose that. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, like even with my parents, they're alive. They're people. Yeah. Does your mom listen to this? She listens to all of them. Holy God. And so every week I get a call. I didn't know that when you were a kid that you masturbated on the <laughs> teacher behind the gym. <laughs> you know. And, and what is that? Yeah, you know. I, I, it's always something. She always calls and she's like, oh, I didn't know that. Why didn't you tell me that back then? I didn't know you were so upset. Or I'm like, well, I don't know. That's amazing. I'm a man, I guess. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe with my parents, I, I don't know if they would... Um... I don't know if we have that kind of relationship. I, I think I'm worried that I would really hurt them. Like I look at like, Mark Maron. Mark Maron talks about it's crazy about his what dad he and about how it. he's bipolar and crazy. The, the, yeah. But you know, that's also that that's where you get that's where you blur, blur the line, or maybe you make very clear the difference between fact and truth. Like my truth is that I went down to my dad's uh, house. Uh, you know, 15 years ago and laid it all out and said, I forgive you and I want to get to know you and I, I want to love you and I want you to love me. And and then nothing came of it. And it's all, and it's his fault. That's my truth. When the, when maybe the fact is that he is, doesn't, A, doesn't know how to deal with it. He had a terrible childhood himself. He's a terribly injured person. I need to look at him as a human being and not my savior. And he doesn't, I'm 47 years old. I don't really need him to be my daddy anymore. And maybe that's unreasonable of me. You know, so there's a, there's the truth is in there somewhere. Yeah. So then the question is, and this is a really interesting question for the age we live in. Is yeah. that a public battle or is that a private battle? Well, I think, but the, the nature of my deciding to produce this podcast well, that's what I'm makes saying. it a public battle. You're making it a public I'm battle. I'm making it yeah. a public battle because I have been unsuccessful in the private side of it. So maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe talking so about it, it you know, maybe somebody's going to write me an email that's got all the questions, all the answers to my questions. Yeah, maybe that's it. You maybe know, that's the key. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, I just worry about my parents, like actually hearing and really, you know, yeah, they, now, one thing I do know is that I cannot say anything that at least a few thousand people have yeah. been, you know, I mean, you, I think there's a real problem with thinking that your problems are so specific and so precious when really, like if I talk about my dad uh, 
kicking us out of the house yeah. when I was four and my parent and my mom and I driving to Redlands from Ensenada in a Datsun B210 with bald tires. I guarantee there's like at least one other person no, that no, that's no. happened to. Of course. It's <laughs> like, like I, I don't think that my problems are so unique or special. It's, it's that I think, I don't know why they would, although my mom might be. Um, uh, I was working with the choir today. I haven't told you this yet, but one of the kids up came up to me afterwards and he's like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with Omar Crook with your podcast. He uh -huh. listens to it all the time. Yeah. Um, and it was because I was talking about you and the piece that I'd written for you and Amy. Yeah. Anyway, it reminded me again. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Omar's got a fan base. They're out there. So, yeah. so like, I was thinking for me, if I say something about my parents, then it's possible that my mom would hear it. Of course she'll hear it. But this is the thing. Why is that? Because then I might say something that could just devastate her. But if it's true, if it's, even true, if it's true to you, even if it's true, that wouldn't open up a dialogue between the two of you to maybe come to some better understanding and in the movie version of your, transform your relationship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. In the Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Aniston movie, that's exactly what would happen. But life isn't like a movie. And, you know, our family is, uh, you know, what, stoic and waspy and like he, god knows what kind of can of worms i could open is that is that is that worth denying the way you feel about things and maybe having the opportunity to resolve some things that will actually end up bringing you closer okay but but that's a different question than yes all of that is good what you're saying but yeah. does that need to happen in front of thousands of people you know, could, could that happen with a site? Nobody that? listens to this. Let's just, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk, man. <laughs> I love this. Uh, I mean, I feel like, uh, but you know, that's the paradigm that I come from. I mean, my, my, <laughs> I mean, I remember uh, sitting at the dinner table. Uh, I don't even know if I can say this because it's such a terrible word, but I, I must have been 10. We were all sitting at the dinner table. There may have even been company over. And I said, Mom, what's a cunt? <laughs> <laughs> and she very calmly said, it's a derogatory name for a woman's vagina. She did. Yeah. Wow. And I said, oh, okay, can I have some more spaghetti? <laughs> you know? Uh, so we come from a, a long line of, uh, of folks that way. You know, I just saw Captain Fantastic. And... Uh, not in such a not in a literal way, but there were some things of that about that movie that reminded me of my childhood, where people are just very frank and matter of fact, and then you just move on. It's not even that you just move on; you don't, you have nothing to move on from. It's just yeah, like, yeah in the course of, of, of conversation. Of course, yeah. No, so so, so maybe the, that's not where you come. Maybe that's not. Well, here's the thing, though. So yeah. so for the you know for of the of the ten thousand people listening, nine thousand nine hundred ninety eight of them, they can take it however they want. Yeah. It's my mom and my dad, the yeah. actual people that I that could hear it and then just think, yeah, like for instance, with my mom, it would devastate her to know that I, something she had done had had somehow been hurtful to me. Devastate. Uh, yeah, I mean, we share that. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, uh, destructively devastating. Yeah. So okay. So I I do temper uh, that. I, of right, course, I do right, the so, same. So thing. I would be very careful. Yes. And yeah. and now my dad is he's been struggling with all kinds of health issues. Yeah. Same thing. So if I were to say, yeah, you know, this I can trace this very clearly back. And then also, I don't know if you feel this, but you know, the moment say I think about something about my dad and the way I I grew up, <clears throat> I'm suddenly flooded with waves of regret about my own abilities as a father, because 
I have this image of who I want to be as a father. Yeah. I try my damn best, but I know sometimes I fail. Oh, me and too. And I think, you know, so say this this moment when I just lose my temper, mm-hmm. all right? Really lose my temper and shout and say, you know, row, 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 this right. thing. Is that what 20 years from now is my son on a podcast and that's what he remembers? Right. But what does he remember from from his child? He remembers, oh, yeah, my dad, he was, he was volatile and Dude, scary. Dude, I think about this all the time. And, right? So, yeah. so, so. When I think about talking about my dad, I feel like, well, what right do I even have to be making a narrative about what that relationship was? Because first, I'm sure I'm cherry picking, mm-hmm. right, to kind of construct my own little narrative. Mm-hmm. And then second, don't throw stones in I glass mean, have houses. You, have you ever thought about going to your – and I'm asking this of myself too. Like, Have you ever thought about going to your dad and saying, this thing that happened – a really bothers me and B probably because I can't make sense of it and I need your I need your opinion on what happened. <laughs> you know, that's what this new show is all about for me, this telephone well, it's show. A good, it's just, I, that's I, the premise. It's a good way to even uh frame it. What's your version of the story? Well, so what's interesting is like I've had that conversation with my mom yeah. about certain things and my mom will say, No, it didn't happen at all like that. And I know it creates dissonance, yeah. Yeah, because it's then I want to say to my mom, well, which I have, I've said, mom, that's, it absolutely happened like this. Yeah. And then my mom breaks into tears and says, I guess I was a terrible mother, oh, you know? And so she, knows, it, and, and <laughs> that, that always reminds me of the part, you know, like, like your mom knows which buttons to push because she's the one who installed them. Yeah. Right. Right. So, right. so it's uh, with my mom, like she's, she's a ninja. So there's, I can only get two or three moves deep and then speak before. Yeah. She's yeah. It's like, wait, you can't bring the queen out yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, uh, yeah, so with my my father, my my father's just he's just had such a rough six or seven years that yeah sure that uh, that then I'd worry that he um, the two that it would just destroy him, just emotionally destroy him. Yeah, it's funny as I talk about it, this feels like therapy now. But as I talk about it loud, I realize that it's um, I'm I'm fragile that way emotionally. Uh, that probably because of the way I was raised, this idea that even just. Uh, like with criticism or what? just in general so just the idea that 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 the world is emotionally very fragile yeah and so you have to be very careful right like, like we were talking before about say you know john lennon yeah who kind of had it in his nature to, to throw some punches right i go so far as when i'm crafting posts posts on facebook or twitter i'll do everything in my power to make sure that i'm not accidentally hurting someone's feelings just some random person out yeah there. It, yeah. I'll just just want to make sure. Okay, does that that doesn't yeah. that you know? How is that compatible with marrying an Israeli? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I of, mean, what's that about? There's a lot of dissonance. You there's, you made a choice to yeah. It's it's hard to challenge yourself daily. That it, way, it's hard to be married. Not only to be because the, the other part. I wish somebody would have given me this advice. Not that it would have changed who I married, but that you don't marry the person. You marry the family. Yeah. So you're not just marrying your wife. You're marrying a whole culture well you're also and, marrying a uh um a catalyst for yourself there is something that she gives you some sort of challenge yeah. that you've got to overcome yeah. and that it, is directly related to what we're talking about and in the harder times of the marriage that's exactly what i think is yeah. i think there was a part of me that had i'm, I'm hoping she thinks that too when, you know <laughs> when she's like when she's losing faith she's like i'm out of here um 
that she thinks okay there's a reason i'm with him right because back then somehow i knew that there's a lesson to be learned so i try, I try to tell myself that but still this is after 20 my god our our 19th anniversary wedding anniversary is next week mm -hmm. we still almost on a daily basis have these massive misunderstandings right because well you've seen it right because it's it's like uh <laughs> it's a west wing quote you know you know who have a very uh, unique conversational style yeah because it, it always feels like like I'm in a boxing match. Well, I think Hila and I are very similar in some ways, and particularly in that we don't obscure the way we feel, and the way we feel can change pretty quickly. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, but you, it different than Hila. You, uh, you're a statesman. You're you you generally I try to be diplomatic. Yeah, yeah, sure. no, in a very very gentle way. Like you understand the dynamics. Yeah, the dynamics mm -hmm. and, and emotional dynamics and and. Sometimes when I'm talking, like I remember the first time that I went to Israel and I was visiting Hila's family yeah. and her friends, I finally realized that in Israel, you are defined by your opinion. That's what defines you. So the, an, an exchange with someone, this actually happened with my father-in-law. He said to me, uh, you, you must try this bakery down the street. Okay, so I was there two days in Jerusalem. I went out of the bakery, you know, had a donut, came back and he said, Eric, how was the donut? And I said, it was amazing. He yeah. said, no. <laughs> okay so so at the time you know with my my west coast buddhist waspy upbringing it's like what, what does that mean? We, we, yeah. okay so I, I didn't i didn't realize that really he has an opinion i have an opinion now let's fight and that's how we talk that's how we get together we'll, we'll it's, it's good you know that's how we intertwine opinion with the person yeah and so but what so yeah but then what will happen is you you've got to then pick a side and for me where most of the world is so liquid mm -hmm. and not black and white at yeah, all nuanced uh, yeah that's how i'd like to think about it but yeah. also sometimes just plain old indecisive right like i can't i don't know what what way it is right that kind of thing doesn't do well with a more black and white kind of way of talking and so um what i find i do then is i start to rise up into this black and white world yeah where i find myself becoming hyper opinionated yeah when actually i really don't care one way or the other about something yeah do you know what i mean yeah. or i'm wide open to it i want to know all sides to it but then i find myself picking sides just so that i can uh, uh I'm, I'm in the ring in a way yeah it's, it's funny because the older i've gotten the more uh decisive i've become about my opinions and my beliefs really yeah and i think that kind of falls into the paradigm of just being a grouchy old man i see i see that myself a lot but i think this election has really forced me to draw lines about what i believe in and what i do not believe in and how that relates to right and wrong and true and false and so i i've become maybe it's a defense mechanism maybe it's a way of making sense of the world or having some measure of control about what i think things should be but i feel like archie bunker sometimes God, it's weird. I feel like I'm going the exact opposite. Yeah. I feel, you know, th that question, the, the one about what do you know this year that you didn't know yeah. last year. Uh, to me now, what I know now with some certainty is that I don't know anything. That's how I feel. I feel. How is that not unnerving and just absolutely terrifying? Well, weirdly, I that's where I live. Yeah. I, I'm most comfortable in wide open spaces where I don't know and it's moment to moment to moment to moment so i actually get i think more anxious when things are stable and concrete <laughs> that's that's not my default setting 
I think it's why I've chosen the life I have, which right. is the kind yeah. of life where tomorrow morning email could change my yeah. life. Uh, it happens all the time. And so, uh, so I, I, I'm going the other way. I can imagine myself being, you know, if I make it that far, say 75, 80 year old man, yeah. you know, one of those old people who just smiles all the time. Just, ah, hey, ah, you, know, you just see them kind of looking at the world. It's like this dream. Like, crazy. I can't believe, can't believe it's happening. Your children yeah. and cookies. Yeah. Um, because it's, I, I, you know, I still feel ups and downs and I, I still feel anger and, and pain and sorrow, but, but, um, but more and more, it's just, uh, it's an ocean. It's a sea of uh, of wonder, not confusion. Yeah, uh, you hear the children outside. Yeah, this is this is a good omen, actually, for exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, um, read a book. You're the future. <laughs> These poor kids. This generation is going to be pissed off when they get old enough to figure out what's going on. Yeah, figure out what we've done. Yeah, they're going to say you did what to our planet? You what? I hope I hope that's the case. I don't know. I mean, you may be wrong. I hope that I hope so. I mean, I'm pretty sure my son will feel that way, but I sometimes they just turn out to be the opposites or assholes. I, mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> Your kids are gorgeous, man. They're gonna they're beauties. Yeah. So I guess I feel in my best days, I feel full of wonder. Okay. That's. But then there is this other thing, which is. Um, it's it's more related to that mortality thing, which is kind of an existential dread, and I think that that feels like just the sloughing off of this of this very old skin. Like okay, here's and there's a part of me that huh. doesn't seem to want to let it go. I'm starting to think that that that's all rooted in loose ends that we've got. I've got loose ends that I need to cauterize or tie up. Like what's the first thing that comes to your mind? My dad. That? Well, that the relationship do. with my dad. No question. Um, uh, the the amount of time that I have left to make an impression on my kids, that that is a, a loose end. I don't have control over it. I have to, it's a waiting game, and I literally just need to survive my way through that to have an impact on my kids in the way that I ho hope to have. I mean, I don't know. Um, that's where my anxiety comes from. Is yeah, but loose you know, ends, I, like... I mean, there are past injustices that I've committed that I feel like I need to. I know, but then it's a slippery slope. Like, are you doing that? Am I doing that for myself or for the benefit? of It's Sorry. really just for myself. Okay, so, so now yeah. let's go back to religion. All right. Yeah. So, so I think about something like Yom Kippur and, mm -hmm. and the, like in the Hebrew tradition where once a year, <laughs> the airing of grievances. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, that's not Judaism. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, but uh, but that that once a year you atone for your sins. Sure. You find the people that you've wronged. You apologize for it. You own up to it. That is beautiful. That is a beautiful social construction. That's that's intertwined uh, within within the belief in the the religious system. How that how that apology is received is not a part of the equation. No, it's, it's just the, the act of doing it. That's exactly right because uh -huh. it, it it you know it it humbles you. It it polishes you, and also mm -hmm. it just it like you said it ties up some loose ends. Mm -hmm. It absolves you. Mm -hmm. Of the, of carrying around the guilt of not uh, acknowledging it to the other person, mm -hmm. um, and so so th that's an example of baby being thrown out with bathwater. Mm -hmm. So if you just dismiss Judaism, well, there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, anyway, yeah, I, I hear you. The thing with loose ends is, and maybe this is total denial, but it's uh, I, I'm not ready to tie up loose ends. I'm, huh? 
you know, I get I get a lot of I get a lot of stuff to the there's still a lot of liquidy stuff. That's nice. Yeah, I think so. I hope I sleep better tonight. Hey, let's get to some plug in some stuff. What are you up to? <laughs> let's do um, it. I've uh, got the big tour coming up. Yeah. Uh, what so, is, what's that about? Um, so I'm bringing over my choir, the Eric Whitaker Singers mm-hmm. from England mm-hmm. for a six day uh, East Coast tour plus Milwaukee and then Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, 18 singers will do some of my music. Do you not come to the West Coast? No, unfortunately. I see. It's, it's amazing. You know, like, I, the, the tours are so hard. They're really, really expensive. Mean, oh, uh-huh. And oh logistically, everything. Everything. Yeah. It's, it's, people are so gracious, you know, I'll announce on Facebook. It's like, yeah, we're coming to Philadelphia. And people say, oh, but what about Seattle? What about Phoenix? And right. I would, if it were up to me, I'd come to every small town in America. Are you self-producing it? Like, are you paying for it? How does, this, yeah, how does well, it work? So, it, so that's the thing. The, the way it works is the presenter will say, yeah, we'll, we'll pay for this. Uh-huh. Um, but they've got to know a year and a half, two years in advance. Is you this get, per venue or is this for the whole tour? Yeah. So, well, then that's the tricky part. Yeah. So, so the venue will say, we'll pay this amount for your concert uh-huh. plus maybe this amount extra, let's say, for rehearsal. But then what you've got to do is you've got to cobble all that together to pay for fees for singers to come all the way yeah. to fly over, mm-hmm. their visas, their per diem, Airfare, their food, yeah, all that stuff, insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a thing, you yeah. know? Um, and, and so even just to finance a five or six day tour, it's a ton of money. And, uh, and a I, big undertaking. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, um, it, but anyway, it's, it's my passion. Yeah. I, I love, love, love it. And so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do some amazing, amazing concerts and we'll end at the ACDA national convention. Nice. Have you picked the repertoire already? Yeah, mostly. So we'll do, um, it's called music for sacred spaces. Mm-hmm. At least that was the idea. Mm-hmm. And so of mine, we'll do Luxe and Saint Chapelle and, a new piece that is uh, from this thing that I'm writing with yeah. Tony. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to do a cover of a pop song. Yeah. And um, what else am I doing of mine? Uh, uh, oh, Leonardo Dreams of the Flying Machine. Nice. And then uh, we'll we'll even uh, we'll do Sleep, and then we'll also do uh, Go Lovely Rose. And Go Lovely Rose because it's the very first piece I wrote. Yeah. It's for my conductor, David Weiler, the, the guy who changed my life. And it's so that we can end up at the national convention and sing that as the last piece on our program. Oh, that's lovely. Amazingly, when we sing at the national convention, it's it'll be 25 years almost to the day that we premiered Go Lovely Rose at, at a Western regional convention in Hawaii. Wow. In 1992. Yeah, it's, we're off by a week. It's incredible. So I'll be able to stand up. How's the piece with Tony? How's the piece of Tony's coming along? It's it, good. Yeah. It's, it's, um, because I know sometimes I can tell, I can always tell when you're working on a piece when we get together. Can you really? Oh, always. Why am I like, yeah, you're just cloudy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, you know, you're always thinking about, you, you're thinking about it. Yeah. Just I, like it's like when I'm studying a role, it, it's always, I've got a solo coming up in, uh, tomorrow for can rehearsal. You, so and you I'm can like, see I'm not engaged. No, totally. Uh, uh, sometimes it depends on what part of the process you're in. Really? Yeah. Like right now, I think like, oh, you seem to have seems to be under control. Yeah, you're morally, not stressed yeah. out about it. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, you can tell. That's when, when kinda... you're yeah, like, like writer's block, or I don't know if it's writer's block for you, but that kind of thing where you're still hashing it out. Yeah, I think that is it. Oh, it's so funny. I'm getting butterflies talking about that part of the process. But yeah, it'll, it'll be done. It'll be ready. Yeah, it's, it's it'll be something. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I'm just trying to find it. The, the thing with Tony, it's it's fascinating because um, we're now we're building this huge piece together, yeah. and so uh, first he's got to go 
really digging in the dirt about because it's it's about death and about it's his wife personal, and passing. Yeah, very sure. very personal. And so some of the poems he sent me, just you know, I burst into tears as soon as I read them because it's, you think, my God, first to live that and then to write about it, mm-hmm. uh, and then to trust me to put some music to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I'm in this weird spot where it's a so say it's a 70 minute piece. I don't I know the general architecture of it, but so far all I'm writing is unbelievably slow meditative uh it's like the most emo piece ever yeah yeah and and uh, there's a part of me that's like okay just keep working on it it's all gonna have shape and it's gonna have form but right now i think there's no way people are gonna just sit there's down. that voice yeah, yeah like, oh, i'm gonna 70 start minutes of like <laughs> okay we got it it's bad yeah um do you ever get do you ever just scrap it have you has that ever happened when you've gotten so deep into it and then you're like oh this is oh yeah all the time yeah all work. the time there's this damn piece that i've been trying to write for years yeah. that, that I, i'll work and work and work on it i like, no, i can't i can't crack it i can't solve it huh. well your piece I, yeah. I i carry your heart yeah uh which nobody on this podcast will have heard yeah um how's that going is it is, is that going to work out yeah yeah so, so it's, it's oh, done it and every, yeah it's, oh it is yeah the rights to it and everything yeah, oh yeah the rights yeah it's, it's just I mean. a long slow slog to get it but yes they'll We'll get them eventually. Oh, so, um, but John Byan's group, uh, Riverside City College, is going to perform it at the national convention, and oh, so awesome. yeah, so we'll kind of introduce it to the world. Yeah. But that's the perfect example. You asked me to write that piece for your wedding, yeah, six years ago, yeah. And I sat down and I had all this material, yeah. And just yeah, I was like trying to make it happen, and I just couldn't do it. Well, to be fair, I mean, I really I put a lot on your plate during that time. Yeah, but uh, you know. Like sometimes it happens and yeah. sometimes it doesn't. And sure. I just couldn't, it was, so I just threw it out. I was like, nope, that's not. And, and six years later, suddenly there's just one little, literally it was two notes that did it. Um, it so I'll have to show it to you on the piano, but basically what happens is. What um, were you doing at the time when it, were you at the piano when, when you figured it out or. I was listening to Peter Grimes. Uh-huh. Okay. So in. Benjamin Britten's Peter Grimes, there's one of the interludes. It, there's these four C interludes, yeah, right? Sure. And one of them is, I think it's called Moonlight, but it's, uh, it goes, right? It's this beautiful, haunting, stumbling kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, for years, I've loved that. And so it's that, the the bit, bum, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. Those two notes, okay? Mm-hmm. So somehow, for whatever reason, I was listening to it, and it connected to the poem, mm-hmm. I Carry Your Heart. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, you know, I think it's because it has the same emotional, there's there's this bittersweet, innocent longing. Longing, there. yeah, for sure, yeah. And then I thought, okay, so, so what you do then is you take, that's, let's say that's an alto line, and then you take the sopranos, Dom, they're gonna be on this G. Or it's a G mm-hmm. uh, in the piece, but Dom, they're here. Then the altos endlessly throughout the piece. Dom, they're coming right up to G. Mm-hmm. So they can't ever unify. Right. So they're constantly bumping, 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 but never once in the piece do the sopranos and altos unify. Mm-hmm. They're always just touching. Then the sopranos move away, come back, come back, come back. Sometimes the altos sing a G, and the sopranos are way above them. Mm-hmm. And as the sopranos come down, they move away from the G, so that mm-hmm. they're never. And then the final note, I carry your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it is is then the sopranos are holding that G 
And then we hear the altos. They resolve. Mm -hmm. Boom. So that's all I needed. Somehow it took me six years to think, oh, that's the way in. Those two notes, that's the key to this whole thing. And uh, Does that that happen a lot? Yeah, all the time. The worst part is it happens... It sometimes takes forever yeah. for something like that. And there doesn't seem to be any elixir. There doesn't seem to be, oh, if, if I'm working out or if I'm sleeping well or if I'm eating right or with my friends. or There yeah. doesn't seem to be anything that causes that connection for to happen. For me, it's boredom. Boredom huh. causes that connection to happen. We know what's interesting is that's, the, that's what they say is the key, right? Is yeah. First, you have a data prime, right? Yeah. You fill your head full of plays and musicals and yeah. movies. And, and then you get in a place where you're bored mm-hmm. and your mind just starts making these these distant connections yeah yep that's what i i mean i used to it's always when i'm in the shower when i'm in the shower or um like ironing something really just mindless and i think that's where yeah. i i think that's where like we were talking about earlier where social media kills a lot of creativity that's uh, one of the terrible byproducts of, of it. that i agree with yeah and i'd say less social media for me and more just internet obsession just screens screens like for instance since well let's say for the last year my hobby has been the election Mm -hmm. right that's Mm -hmm. been every free moment i'm obsessed like the podcast the the endless websites the the pundits the prognostication just same thing right yeah so and there's no question that it's taking away from my focus yeah (coughs) sorry man yeah yeah (coughs) So we so what else do you have? You've got the tour coming up. Tell me again when that is. It's in March. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. end of February. February uh-huh. first week of March. Uh-huh. And then um, when's the Deep Field thing gonna come? <clears throat> so we're recording Deep Field as soon as possible. Hopefully yeah. in June. Yeah. Probably in London. Mm-hmm. In Abbey Road. How cool would that be? Yeah. Um, and then probably we're gonna make Sacred Veil vale into an album. So I'm I'm gonna go back to recording albums. So that, that'll probably be the first one out. Yeah. And in the meantime, I'm going to start releasing, I think, singles uh, onto Spotify and iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even just piano ideas I've got, mm-hmm. you know, highly produced, but just, just to start releasing things again, putting them out in the wild. Um, yeah. Do you miss that? Yeah, I miss it a lot. I just miss the engagement with the audience. Right. Right. That's nice, man. Yeah, it's good. What it's else? good. A what, bunch what, of conducting stuff. I'm, uh, let's, I'm going to Belgium in a in a week and a half yeah I'll be there for two weeks with the Flemish radio choir touring all over french fries and mayonnaise that's the only thing I will eat (laughs) and wash it down with beer occasional chocolate occasional waffle and then uh, in April I'm doing uh, I'll I'll be in or the beginning of May I'll be in Amsterdam yeah Uh, do a concert in the Concertgebouw Mm -hmm. which will be with the Netherlands Chamber Choir that'll be amazing Mm -hmm. I'm with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra back at the beginning of June Mm -hmm. um, with BBC Singers in july so yeah it's exciting yeah it's good it's, it, it beats working for a living yeah yeah well what, what did we cover everything yeah i think today we did man i think we, we solved it all until next time at until, least. until next time until next week all right man it's right. great having you on the show love man. you brother love Thank you too you, thanks well there you have it folks that was the certifiable genius eric whitaker a dear friend of mine i feel uh very lucky to know him and I hope you all know him a little bit better too. He's he's somebody worth listening to, and he's got uh, very he's very thoughtful. He thinks about what he says. He's uh, he's no dummy. And uh, thanks, man. 
I'm really glad you were on the show again, and I really appreciate it. I want to thank Gregory Geiger for helping me with my theme song. Go to laclassical.com. Tell him I said hi. Say hey. And uh, I want to thank Michael Nielsen at michaelnielsenmusic.com for letting me use his Shure SM7B microphone. And Shure America, if you're listening to this, send me some mics. I love them. I could use them. I'll probably keep plugging anyway, so I don't know what advantage it would be for you to send them. But, uh, you know, if you do, I'll just tell everybody what a, what a great company you are and how terrific you are and everybody should buy them. I don't know. Maybe that counts for something. I uh, hope you all have a great week. Thanks again for listening. And until next time. long walks and you wear clean pants, genius. Get onto my show.